is the animated podcast with me, Johnny Armstrong, where we mine for and highlight life-giving ideas and concepts that are not just worth knowing, but actually putting into practice. These are animating principles that bring us to life and set us in motion so we can have a better go of it out there. A few years ago, I officiated and helped host a wedding that was a family affair. Now, at the time, my favorite pants were these gorgeous tobacco-colored dress slacks, which I wore for the occasion. So after the ceremony, which was beautiful, the reception was in full swing, and it was an awesome time with a fun crowd and great music. And being the blonde-haired, blue-eyed soul brother who never met a dance groove he didn't like, I was feeling it, and I was getting after it on the dance floor. And, and when I feel it, I'm inclined to spread that goodness so you can feel it too. So in a moment of what I would consider irrational exuberance while busting my dance moves, I thought it would push the fun and good vibes meter off the charts by showing everyone something so unexpected, so stupefyingly spectacular that it would leave a lasting impression. And that's precisely what I did. Oh, I showed them something, and, and no doubt the impressions are still probably wired into the phosphors of their neurological system so that even if they wish they could unsee it, they can't. So what did I do? What did I do to leave such an indelible impression? Well, I jumped up and did the air splits, which is a pretty impressive feat for most anyone, let alone someone my age. I was 54 at the time. I'm 56 now. Now, the moment I hit the apex of the jump and achieved full extension, I knew I was in trouble before I even landed. Houston, we've got a problem. And by the time I touched down, my trousers... Those beautiful tobacco-colored slacks were not only less restricted around my, my glutes, but were, let's just, let's just say, efficiently ventilated. I could feel cold air, cool air streaming down the back of my legs. So just imagine the indignity associated with the right reverend, the pastor who has just officiated the wedding, walking around the reception that you're basically trapped in. I'm trapped there because it's a family affair. Pretty much mooning the guests by virtue of a gaping hole the size of a Honda Civic right smack dab in the middle of my backside. Good times. Now, I'm not making any of this up, including that this shocking, shocking spectacle spawned the saying, the party doesn't start until the pastor splits his pants. <laughs> That's right. The party doesn't start until the pastor splits his pants. And oh, what a party it was and what an additional party it set the stage for. You know, sometimes you just have to laugh it off, right? I mean, fringe-worthy things are going to happen and you can either deny it, hide from it, run from it, or you can go all in and let your freak flag fly. And I was waving that flag with a, an unrelenting zeal, and the only thing I regret is not having worn some flamboyant, crazy, 
boxers that would have been flapping through the gigantic hole, amplifying the, that effect. But maybe that's a good thing. I mean, some some of the onlookers probably are still in therapy today. <laughs> it could have been rendered into a catatonic stupor if they would have seen that. So, so I want to back up. So right up to the moment of right up to the moment of this flash dance debacle, I was somewhat of a fitness junkie and had been all of my adult life, still am. I was a six day a week beast mode workout savage who never missed workouts, not even on vacation. I was a 192 pound fast twitch muscle, mobile, agile, and not so hostile seasoned athlete who could do the splits, handstands, and headstands because of my martial arts background. I could handle decent weight on the gym floor and routinely endured rigorous cardio sessions. I just loved to train. I loved it. I was getting after it every single week. However, despite that, everything wasn't quite so peachy keen as I was starting to outgrow my britches as evidenced by, by this, this event, the air splits event. Now, what up to that point had been nice fitting pants began to resemble shrink-wrapped skinny jeans and felt about as comfortable as one of those G-suits fighter pilots wear to make sure blood doesn't pool in their lower extremities so they don't black out during intense maneuvers. Now, I can assure you that once whatever quote-unquote slacks I managed to slither into were buttoned, the only blood that was pooling was north of the border. I couldn't feel anything below my waist. Now, granted, I freely admit that I struggled with something of a sweet tooth, but I rationalized it in light of what I considered to, to be a decent overall well-balanced diet. You know, I didn't eat fried foods. I didn't go to McDonald's or Burger King, things like that. But my portion size were a little high. Uh, but I would, again, rationalize it because I ate fairly well and my workouts were were insane, man. They were They were great. So I knew that getting the waist size reclamation party started wasn't going to be jamming additional workouts into an already stacked routine. And I also had a working knowledge that even very good workouts can't outrun a compromised diet. So it was really time for me to kind of own it and take this thing up a notch. So what to do? Well, one thing I was not going to do was to get involved in any sort of short-term program that in my estimation, lacked sustainability. I wanted to do something that was sustainable, that was more fundamental. Now, I am well aware that many of the plans out there are not only tremendously helpful, but perhaps even necessary to jumpstart an approach to wellness or even somewhat of a massive reboot if there's a serious condition in play. And some of those diets that you could probably name, you can probably look online, you can probably think of some of the diets that your friends are using, they could yield great results, so I'm not hating on them. So if you are or plan to go on like the keto or the paleo or the carnivore or a South Beach caveman or Atkins, whatever those things are, just do your research and talk to people who are on it or have used it. And I, I know plenty of people who've had very good results on any one of those, even though those are very different. So just even if you're vegan or, or vegetarian, just do your research. However, for me, I was simply going to take measures to gain control over the fundamentals, and it came down to data management. 
What do I mean by that? How many calories am I eating relative to what I was expending each day? So I had to collect some data. So before I get into the specifics, we'll go into that in just a second, and we're not going to go too deep in, into my specifics. But here is a very rudimentary animating principle that emerges in all of this. General knowledge about what to do and maybe even what it takes to, to, to do it or to do them is a, is a good start. But the only way to get to that destination, your goal, your preferred outcome, whatever it is, and it's not just fitness related, it's anything. The only way to get to that place, that to accomplish that, is to orient yourself in the direction that leads there, you know, point yourself in that direction and start taking steps. It's not complicated. It might, it's hard. I mean, there's some hard things involved with changing habits, changing thinking patterns, but it's not complicated. It boils down to mobilizing your properly placed intentions, desires, goals, visions, and dreams of reaching a certain place so that you'll actually get there. Mobilizing your goals, mobilizing them so you actually get there. Now, I'm fully aware that these are not anything approaching revolutionary, never heard before concepts, but for many, they might as well be. What I mean is that most of us forsake the benefit of taking the time and putting forth the mental and emotional capital to get things turned around by honestly assessing where we are and the direction we are heading so that we can perhaps change course or even reboot the whole thing. Again, this goes way beyond just diet and exercise, right? But my little story is just a, a com comedically refreshing case in point. So back to my pants morphing into contour hugging, heart rate broadcasting, compression leggings. Again, no problem with the workout thing. Love working out, love to train. I've always enjoyed elite level training, which is certainly not the norm. Let's face it, most people would consider waxing their armpits more bearable than regularly engaging in high intensity training, but not me. I love it. I love almost every aspect of, of this stuff. I'm weird like that, but I, I consider it blessed. I, I, I'm blessed with the capacity to do hard things that create growth. That's just the way I look at it, and that's what I'm trying to help put handles on for you to begin thinking about that if you can develop the thresholds necessary to ignore discomfort and push through you're going to have a better go of it out there now for me what was the missing ingredient again it's data i had never embraced the idea of tracking my calories never felt like i really needed to yet now i had a pair of shredded slacks and the vision of the horrified faces of onlookers staring at me. So I decided to arm myself with data to fuel the effort. Now, in previous episodes, I have mentioned and will continue to be a recurring theme as we, as we walk forward in the animated podcast. I've mentioned the acronym AMO and refer to it as the AMO. I know, only one M for an effective approach to ordering your life. AMO, A-M-O, awareness, mindfulness, openness. Awareness is the notion of staying ever aware of not just the condition of yourself and your people, 
your family and friends, but what's out there, what works, what does the research data reveal, who says. So being aware of things. Mindfulness, now that's a popular word these days, but in the sense that I'm using it, mindfulness is making up your mind to do things that matter, and that requires a willingness to assess and think things through from top to bottom. Think it through. Do not let your feelings rule. Take command of your thinking. So be aware of what's out there. Be aware of self and others in your life that are important. Be aware of what works, what, what the research shows, who says. Put your mind to it and then be open. Be open to course correction based upon the above two elements as well as the input of others. And that requires humility. One of the most important aspects of killing the game in all the dimensions of being a human being is to be humble, is to admit that you don't know it all, I don't know it all, let's learn together, let's learn from one another, and let's be open to make changes, even if it's, if it's counterintuitive or contrary to what we've always thought. So arm yourself with that ammo. Now, one way for me to apply awareness in my goal to drop some of the girth was to download a calorie counting app. There's plenty of them out there. It's probably on your, your, your Droid or your, your iPhone right now. Now, I chose Under Armour's MyFitnessPal. But again, there's plenty of them. Just look around, find one that you like that fits you. Now, one of the things that had kept me from ever using these programs was the perception of just how inconvenient it would be. How inconvenient it is to, to maybe weigh my food a little bit or get used to what portions relate to as far as ounces or cups or something like that. Because you, you start to get used to it. But I just thought it would be so, so inconvenient to pull up my phone to log calories at a restaurant or something like that. So the question is this. Does it ever pay to make convenience an overriding factor in whether or not to do things that might help? That would be negative. Hey, if we base our life rhythms and choices mainly on the convenience factor, guess how that's going to work out? Yeah, making commitments to change things are in essence allowing demands to be made of you, or better yet, imposing those demands on yourself. And you know what's true about that? Demands create gains. Demands create gains. This, again, it's not just about diet and exercise. This applies in every dimension of our life experience, right? So with the exercise thing, let me start there because we're on it. When you push yourself during, and, and do training the proper way, you stimulate muscle growth, you stimulate mood-enhancing hormones flowing through neural pathways. You stimulate something called mitochondrial biogenesis. Mitochondria are the little battery cells the energy packs in your cells, the battery packs in your very cells. And by doing certain types of high intensity training, you actually enhance the amount of mitochondria so that your body can better use the food you eat, the good food you eat, and turn it into energy. So mitochondrial biogenesis is a direct result of high intensity training, fasting. Think about adding an extreme discipline such as fasting to your diet. That adding that, that self-discipline, that practice, 
is a way to rid your body of certain toxins and reduce stresses on your gastrointestinal tract. What about pressures associated with a competitive work or scholastic environment? Doesn't that stimulate innovation and adaptation, leading to tremendous success? Of course. What about the pressures associated with a personal or family crisis? Doesn't, can't that often or doesn't it often lead to closer bonds, increased faith, and, and maybe even finally making some changes about some things in the home that lead to to thriving and flourishing? Of course. So it really comes down to how badly you want things to change and what are you willing to do to get on the path. And here's where I want to hammer home the point of how helpful it is to adopt the mindset and determination to add good, productive, gain-inducing things into your life as opposed to mainly fixating on what you need to cut out. Now, now sure, no doubt, there may be some uh, corrosive, self-destructive behaviors and or thought patterns that you need to eliminate. But let's look at it as subtraction by addition. Get after it by adding productive, life-giving elements, behaviors, and thought patterns. And then be careful to mind the environments you have inhabit. Where are you? What, where do you spend a lot of your time? So we'll think of it like this, okay? On the environments issue. Now look, some places you have to go. You gotta go to work, you gotta go to your office, all right? Some of those places, maybe your office, have some elements that can conspire to make you more complacent and, and even compromise in some, some things. For instance, in many office break rooms, there are boxes of donuts sitting there perhaps a well-intentioned gesture on someone's part, calling out to you to be consumed. Uh, of course, that might be right beside a, a, a fridge stocked with, with soda. You know what's probably not in that office break room? A pull-up bar and a set of kettlebells. <laughs> yeah, you've got to go to that office, but you positively do not have to wash down those Krispy Kremes with a Dr. Pepper, right? You can, on your break, go take a walk around the facility, go up a flight of stairs, maybe even rep out some burpees right there in your cubicle. <laughs> Just gotta make decisions regarding that environment and, and look around and see what things are there and what you need to avoid and what you need to add into your in environmental routine. Mind what's in your environment and how you respond to it. Now, here's the secret sauce of this whole approach. Self-discipline. It's not complicated. <laughs> it's hard, but it's not complicated. Self-discipline takes hold of the fact that true freedom is not in the absence of restrictions, but the presence of the right ones. Those restrictions act as guardrails that help to keep you from going off that cliff. And it starts with taking command of self, self-control. And that starts in the mind. It starts with your thinking. The book of Proverbs, uh, which is in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, 
has many helpful sayings, and I, I will quote them often. And here's one from Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It reads, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So in this sense, self-control could be viewed as the fortified walls that maintain the integrity of your inner sanctuary. Without that wall, the barbarians pour in and create chaos. In a concrete way that this manifests, you know, these walls up and maintained is to, number one, be truthful about yourself and your circumstances. Okay, it's a reality check. Realistically assess where you are, what you're doing, and where you really need to go and why you should need to go there. Number two, educate yourself so that you are more humbly aware and mindful of what works, what tools like a calorie counting app can help you kill the game. Humility is critical here because it opens us up to input and feedback from trusted others that might also include some con constructive criticism helping us to correct course when we need to. And number three, stop listening to the lies, which includes those you are saying to yourself, excuses or lies. Stop making excuses. So all of this starts, that wall that protects self, all of this starts with taking command of your thinking patterns in the effort to control your will. You have not only the right to do that, but the power to do that. Just make up your mind to own it and set about doing it. And you can't simply wish things were better and just hope things improve, right? Because wishing and hoping aren't the best strategies. When we work to develop and deploy self-discipline, we're liberated to do good, productive things that yield good, productive fruit. Again, buy into the idea that we aren't free just because we can choose, but only when we have chosen well. So take the ammo, awareness, mindfulness, openness to work on amping up your ability to choose well and then dig deep to develop the self-discipline, the self-control you need to carry it through. So here I am. A few years later, having dropped and kept off 40 pounds, and I actually lost most of that in the first year. I did it slowly over a year period, and I have stayed at my current weight for well over a year by disciplining myself to use that app. As of this recording, I'm on like an 843-day streak. If I can do it, you can do it. By using that app, by disciplining myself to hold to to stick to a daily budget, it keeps me at the same weight with hardly any deviation. Now, this has been somewhat of a shock to those who've known me for a while because I was always a gym rat fitness freak. Didn't even know I could lose that much. But now here I am, this 56-year-old jacked-up dude who loves to bring high-octane energy into the gym and every other space I occupy, whether it be church or the grocery store or the neighborhood to encourage others to do things that make their lives better and them better at life. Just shine. Jesus said, uh, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that's just what I want to do. I want to shine. I'm trying to shine light in all the spaces I go to. That's why I'm doing this podcast. 
And that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you've been blessed by some of the thoughts and, and the animating principles that we've discussed. And if you are, spread the word. Invite some of your friends to subscribe to the podcast. And one helpful way to do that is to, to leave a review on iTunes. Peace to you as you work on taking command of your thinking and embrace the notion that self-discipline liberates. Now discipline yourself to go be compassionate, kind, loving, and helpful to someone out there in your life without expecting anything in return from them and see what happens. Till next time.